Good afternoon and happy day after May Day, May 2nd, here at 1 o'clock p.m. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome back to the Up. I'm your host, David Coleman. As you can see, I have a few guests with me today. I feel like uh, on Christmas morning, two of my favorite people on earth, two of the most talented people on earth, uh, the maroon and really cool leather skull cap. You see Paul Jones, uh, the founder and creator of Bootlegger's Music Radio, who hosts the podcast. Um, Paul, good morning, good afternoon. It's nice to see you. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, having me on your show. And the, the, <laughs> figures, the figures that we see strumming away, who were originally from Hollywood, California, which we will talk about, but is now in the Miami, Florida area, is Lauren Stallmaker and Lauren, before I even let you say hello, uh, critically acclaimed producer, performer, artist, writer, musician, cinematographer, editor, director, motivational speaker, nonprofit founder, 500 recordings on national televisions and millions of homes, and you are uh, currently producing and directing the TV renovation show down in Florida in its second year. The reason I'm loving this podcast, folks, and I don't want to waste a second, is to be very honest, these are two of the most creative, talented people I know in my life. Uh, Lauren, thanks for joining us from lovely Florida. Thank you. Dave, you know, you know, I've known each other for many years now. We have. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I saw you stand in a college with a just jam-packed out three, four thousand, five thousand kids in a in this huge theater. And you had all of them in the palm of your hand, bro. You just like it was unbelievable. And I watched you completely connect with every person in the room for an hour. And it was just unbelievable. I became your biggest fan that day. I couldn't believe somebody was doing what you do live and doing it so effectively. It was amazing. It's really, really kind. Knowing your background, which we will talk about in a minute, that is very kind. And I remember uh, you were you were coming to a big conference, and the the director of the conference told us about you. His name is Eric Lambert, who was my last guest, ironically, my last guest before you was Eric Lambert, and he said, "Now look, this guy's coming in. He's a big deal. He's a producer. He's a director. I don't want the whole conference pouncing on this guy." And I was walking through uh, later in the evening, there was a bar where we were all hanging out after all of our performances were over. And you walked up to me and said, are you ever going to say hello to me? And I said, probably not. We were told not to. And from there, we struck up a conversation. And uh, dude, it's great to have you on. Great to have you. The reason I wanted to- Hey, we've been friends ever since. We have been the closest of friends. And the reason I wanted both of you on is in different ways, your lives mirror each other. Uh, Paul is also a tremendous stand-up comic. He's taught himself to uh, play every instrument he plays without any formal training. He wrote a, he's wrote a, wrote a symphony and doesn't know how to play a piano. I'm still kind of freaked out over that. But I wanted you two to meet. I wanted you two to interact, and I want you to share your magic with everyone that's going to see this program. Cool. Paul, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in. in. I'm in. Give I'm Lauren, in, give Lauren a 60-second overview of Bootleggers where it came from and why we're even on this today? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the, the short story is uh, pretty simple, uh, yet complex, I guess. And uh, when the scandemic hit, uh, I had a business uh, that uh, God decided to relieve me of. 
And uh, I thought I lost it. And I realized uh, about a year and a half ago, I didn't actually lose anything. I was just kind of relieved of it and redirected and uh, started uh, uh, after about 15 months of depression and sitting around getting drunk with a pistol in my mouth most nights. I asked God what he wanted me to do. And uh, the answer uh, came, uh, get back into music. And so I can't say I lost anything anymore. I, you know, once I figured that out and then I look, uh, you know, we're about 171 songs uh, have been written in two years uh, or sent. And uh, we've produced 71, we've released the 57. And uh, so in two years time, went uh, from February 2nd of last year with six monthly followers on Spotify to uh, 30, I think we're at 32,000 monthly followers right now. Wow. So, yeah, so that's where we're at. That's Lord, cool. I saw you shake your head when he started talking about the number of songs that have been produced, recorded. Not all of them have been released. You just shook your head. I saw your eyes roll. I saw you shake your head. Why? <laughs> well, you know, writing music is... Um, People don't realize it. It's like anything that you do for 10,000 hours, you're a professional. And if you do it for 10,000 hours, they say you're a professional at whatever it is. That's interesting. And so like that. it's, 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 it's just a statistic, a true statistic. Matter of fact, Justin Bieber and Dan and Shay wrote a song called 10,000 Hours about loving a girl that long. You know, that he's going to love her forever, virtually is what it's saying. But if you write music and, you know, you can have uh, 500 songs. And if not one of them is good and it's not a hit, it's 500 songs, you know. But if you've got, you start having hit songs, you start having stuff that people listen to as people buy and people have put on the radio and then it gets the airplay. Then what happens is the validation comes in and then, the time that you spend on each song, you know, some songs you write them in 10 minutes and then other songs you labor over them. Uh, my son is a writer in Nashville and he goes in on daily appointments and they meet at a studio and there's three or four guys and they're in a room together and they've all had like top 10 hits. One guy in the room, he said, dad, call me the other day. He said, this guy's got 70 number one hits. Yeah. He said, We're in you know, room. it's, it, it's so funny, you know, Lauren, because I I uh, was in Nashville in the 90s. Dwayne Blackwell right. was a very good friend of mine. Wayne Perry, who's also from up here, who passed away several years ago, was a very good friend of mine. He, we were managed by the same manager. And, you know, at some point you became, you, you all of a sudden, you know, a good writer, a good anybody, any, a good ditch digger, but a good writer, you're going to write something every day you come to work you come to exactly you you come to, to do something and when you get on a roll as some people call it, it you will find that your bucket starts to overfill that, and, absolutely you know that's basically what god did to us was he kept overfilling our bucket and it just mm -hmm. you know whether it's an idea whether it's a thought whether it's a melody and people don't realize you are working. You you really, I mean, I love what I do, but you have to perfect your craft, as Dwayne Blackwell used to say. He 
He's the only person exactly. I ever saw write with a calculator. The guy wrote with a calculator. You know, That's it was crazy. all math. It was all math. It was crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about writers to me is that good writers just up the level of the writing in the room. They really right. do. They like I wrote a song one day with a guy by the name of Larry Weiss. Larry wrote Rhinestone Cowboy. Wow. And he has made a living off of that song. Somewhere in America, every single night, they're playing that song on radio stations. Right. On some radio station all over the world, right? So yeah. a song like Rhinestone Cowboy, he also wrote a song, um, um, man. Now he's just written all great songs. And, and he, we were laughing the other day because some commercial used his song for a bed company 30 years after he had written it. Right. And, and it was, you know, bringing him a huge salary that year. But I'll never forget Larry. Larry listened to my second verse of this song we were writing together. He goes, "Man, that's just not right." He said, "But let's call it today. We won't worry about it." A week later, he calls me up and he gives me one line of the song for the second verse, and it just made the whole song perfect. You know, isn't that? But isn't he, that had, he had labored over that. Isn't that? It's so funny because you have. You know, like I've been, I'll work on something and then all of a sudden, you know, it's not right. You, you know, something right. wrong. And right. then somebody gives you the word, you know, right. and, and then they just got a half a song credit and made the song explode for you it's over amazing. one absolutely. phrase, over one word. No, absolutely. And, and you know what, when, when the right word falls in the pocket, it it literally is poetry in motion. Yeah. It's yeah. it is the most amazing experience. And we remember songs right now that are 30 years old. And we remember where we were, what we were doing, we, the first time we ever heard it. Right. That's I mean, how powerful yeah, give, give an song is. Both of you, give me an example of a song 30 years ago. You heard it. Tell me where you were at Reader's Digest version, but where were you? Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a crazy, crazy scenario it's uh many many years ago in the 70s i remember the i'm 70s. a teen i'm a teenager <laughs> right i'm a teenager it's the 70s and i hear this group is in town and that they're gonna play at the coliseum and i just went to the coliseum at like noon okay. and i walked in the back door and I walked right up to the guys loading the stage. And uh, I said, man, I love their music. I love this song. And it was, he said, um, dude, just hang out. Just be roadie today. Hang out with us. And during Come the concert, on. you can go stand. You can go stand at the sound console with me and enjoy the concert from the sound console. It's cool. So we love having fans. We like, have, you know. So they were twins. It was a boy and a girl twin. Okay. All right. One of my favorite groups of all time, the Thompson Twins. I have a picture. And 
and we're laughing and loving it all. Oh, look at my life now. Tap and torn. We fight and delight until cry until dawn. Whoa, 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 holy now. Unbelievable. I feel a little selfish for having you all on for my own game, but this is pretty fabulous. Uh, what a great story that that person just said, hang and be with him. And one of my favorite groups, Paul, do you have one? Do you have a story from younger days when? Man, I'll tell you what. I <laughs> Number one, I can't top that. Uh, number two, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put uh, a name or a place on certain songs because i i just have so many i i mean you know my i my range is everything you know so you know lauren i mean we're we're multi-genre i'm in the middle of a, a 10-part symphony right now uh as david said um man there's just so many good damn songs out there that you know will just lift your spirit and lift your soul and that's that to me is what music is, you know, that oh, yeah. is, that that's what music is to me is, you know, uh, what, what, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, and I guess I could, David, you know, I, I'm doing a remake of Three Dog Night, 1971, Jeremiah was a bullfrog right now. There you go. It's a great song. Fabulous. It's I've been fabulous. playing that song since I was five years old. And I won't go into the story of how it came back in my life, but it is such a fun song. It was so good memories of being on stage with my family when I was five with my bongos. As a matter of fact, the the album cover is my brother on the piano, my little sister half naked dancing and me sitting with my bongos in between my legs. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and there's just something about the line. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, man, that, you know, something good's coming. And uh, well, yeah, so are you sitting at your more. keyboard? Are you sitting at your keyboard? I, I am not. My keyboard's across the hall. I had or across the right here. I had to sit uh, sideways because I didn't have enough time to get my green screen up. So I wanted to make sure you see the see at least a little bit of the studio. I got pretty cool cool studio here, Lauren. <laughs> I got my That's motorcycle awesome, sitting over there. I got a full bar over there. Lauren, well, what he did is when the pandemic hit. Uh, he opened up a speakeasy that uh, people could come and and hang out at and play music. And he would open the back door and even some of the police would sit out in their cars and they would do the free concerts. They would drive into a neighborhood and use someone's garage and do a free concert for the neighborhood. And that's why his heart and your heart with your community renovation show and all the things you too, what you've done is you've used music to fill up your heart and your lives but you also use music to positively impact other people who might need a lift. And that's why I want to. Well, I, I, I grew, I grew up with parents that were evangelists. Uh, my, my mother and father traveled to different churches. Wasn't your mother sang. a gospel singer? Yeah. She's the only woman in the Southern Baptist hall of faith along with people like Billy Graham. Wow. But she's the wow. only woman in it. 
She's made 33 gospel albums. And uh, we're talking way back in the, the 50s and 60s, you know. She had a TV show in Memphis in the 50s where she was on every day called Above the Clouds. And there was this guy in town. What was it called? Above the Clouds. Above the Clouds. And it was a morning, it was a morning TV show. You know, and she was this real pretty blonde on there, like a newscaster, kind of local girl, right? And she was on this TV show, and there was this guy by the name of Elvis, and he wrote her a Christmas card. And my mother got this Christmas card from Elvis, and she said, oh, and threw it in the garbage. Because she was on TV, and Elvis was just this young guy that was going to start singing, right? Wow. And I said, Mom, do you realize how much that card would have been worth? Oh, if my Lord, just, have mercy. You just kept it. And you should have had him on your show, you know? And so then when I'm like five years old and I'm in Memphis, she's singing at the Gospel Quartet Convention in mm -hmm. Memphis. And I'm hanging on like with her like this, right? Walking <laughs> backstage. And I walk backstage. And who's backstage hanging with his boys, the Jordanaires and the Stamps? It's Elvis. And I look at Elvis and I'm thinking, that's the coolest guy I've ever seen. And about how old? And I'm five, about how I'm old five years old. Five years old. Unbelievable. You know, I should have probably let you know this, but the theme of today that I want to go with is, and Paul, you've already very nicely led me into it, is when one dream hits a speed bump, unleash another. And I know that all three of us have had dreams going on. And then somebody went, because <laughs> while we live life, other people are going, no, it's not going to happen. But well, buddy, I'm telling you right now, I mean, you've heard me say it. I, you know, I, I personally think, uh, you know, and, and everybody can think what they want to think. I personally think God's sitting up there going, hey, watch this. <laughs> Hold my beer. Watch what these people, <laughs> he, look at this guy. He thinks he's got a plan. Watch this. Hold my beer. And because you don't know, and, and it's so funny because people, you know, I've always been, uh, you'll use the word motivational speaker, right? But when I spoke, when I have spoken, I've always told people one door opens, another door, you know, one's closed, another opens. We, we can say it, we can preach it, but when it really hits you Ooh. is when you have to decide, do you believe it? And it took me 15 months to understand I didn't lose a damn thing. Uh, when I looked, I gained so much because God just went, dude, you're, you need to do this now. You already did that. I need to do this. And then it lifts your, and I got, I'm getting chills right now just talking about it because if people understood that, especially today with as depressed as people are with what, what took place and all the lives that were robbed, uh, you weren't naturally, you weren't robbed. You know, I, I think I told you the story of the guy that I met in, when I went on that 17 day hiatus. I, I left home, uh, Lauren, uh, uh, about two years ago. I left for 17 days and played music on the streets and hung out with homeless people and played in parking garages and ran into this bus at a gas station. They ran out of gas. I'll paraphrase it. And this little guy was walking around with a gas can. And I said, What do you need, man? He goes, I need a little gas. So I struck a card and filled it up. I said, uh, do you need a ride to your car? And he goes, no, we're, we're musicians. We're in our bus ran out of gas. 
And I said, well, swing your bus around here. And he goes, what? I said, swing a bus. Where's your guy? Swing the bus. So I filled the tank up and he, this little guy said, yeah, I just hooked up with these guys because, you know, I lost my job during the uh, COVID. And I said, what do you, did you like your job? He said, not really. I said, do you like playing? He goes, I love it. I said, then you didn't lose shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't lose shit. Yeah. And he looked at me and went, I never really thought of it that way. I said, well, you hated your job. Now you like playing music. Go play some damn music. These guys got out of the bus. They were a bluegrass band and serenaded me while I was filling up their bus. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So cool. Lauren, do you have That's a similar, so cool. do you have something when you go back that uh, a, a situation maybe that happened out of nowhere that allowed you to use music or allowed you to use the blessings in your life to help somebody that was less fortunate at the time? Man, I kind of grew up. Uh, I was taken out of public school and I went to the University of Nebraska extension course, which is how the Osmonds and a lot of kids get, you know, back in the day went to, to school. Wow. And um, everybody goes, well, you didn't learn anything that way. You know, you can't learn out of school, homeschool, all that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget my, my, I had to choose one of three different things I could write an essay on. And one of them was Dom Cathedral. Okay. And my mother was making a record in London when I got that essay uh, request. And so she gave me $5 and I went down to Dom Cathedral and I had the tour guide write my paper with me. And then we took a picture in front of Dom Cathedral and sent it to my extensions teacher. And I obviously made an A plus. I'll bet you but, did. But you, your mind is expanded when you have an experience like that as a young child, that nothing, I, if there's any problem I've ever had, it's nothing has ever seemed impossible to me. And I will jump at things that other people won't jump at to my detriment sometimes. Well, but I, you I really know what, that, and, and you know, people look at those kind of things, Lauren, when they see and they go, my God, you just, you just did it. And I don't know about your thought process, but, you know, no, I didn't just do it. I believed it. I do. I do. I do believe it. And I believe, believe that with it. God, with God, there's actually this thing that he, he gives you this thing in your spirit that makes you become fearless a little bit. And in the process, let me tell you what the craziest thing that's happened to me is that money is a tool. <laughs> it's a byproduct of productivity and it's a tool i might be wrong here Lord, I money think is we are 48 hours away from a paul jones song called money is a tool i, I might put even money it's <laughs> already i can I mean, hey hey hey, hey and you know what you know what lard we could do a twist on word money is a tool or it's a tool, <laughs> or it's a tool. Right. <laughs> right. So is this a collaboration? <laughs> have I just worked the collaboration on air? I think I have. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, with the more the more life has to do with money, the more you realize that no matter how much money you have, um, it's not really going to bring you the happiness that good health and love and friends and um, are going to give you. 
It's amazing. And so then you look, then you start looking at it as like it's a pair of pliers, it's a tool. And let me share, personally, you got to let me share this with you. And it's not musical, but it's personal to me. When I when I was younger, my father was in charge of the Boxing and Wrestling Commission for Canton, Ohio, an hour south of Cleveland, and uh, it was when the back then big time wrestling had become popular. The Sheik, Bobo Brazil, the Iron, all those people. And there was a big event. My father was also the ring announcer and he was in charge of pretty much everything. So I'm at the Canton Civic Center with a couple of friends and it's about maybe an hour before the wrestling is going to start. And there's a family outside. This is a true story. There's a, a father, a mother, and two little kids. This father has turned over this jar of coins and he's asking the family to help wrap them and help wrap them. And my dad sees this. He walks through the door and I walk out with him. He says, what are you folks doing? He said, well, we're, we're putting our coins together. We want to get tickets. And he said, don't worry about that. You've now got tickets. And he said, but you're going to have to have a shirt to come in. And my father took off his jacket, took off his shirt, gave the guy the shirt, put his coat back on and went inside. That was literally the, took that was the, the shirt off his back. That's the training I had on how to treat other people. So I appreciate what you're both saying. Now, and he literally took the shirt off his back. <laughs> he literally took the shirt off his back. Let me let me uh, go to a different direction here because I want people to hear what you've done. Lauren, I'd like you to start. I know that when we first met, you came up to me and I know that you your kind words earlier during this program, you loved what I was doing on stage and talking to people and inspiring our youth, et cetera. I know you did that. Okay, in, a, in kind of a nutshell, how did you start touring? And I, I don't want to sift through your resume right now to find out how many shows. No, you it's, it's really interesting. I was a contemporary Christian artist because I grew up singing in churches. I became a contemporary Christian artist. Um, even though I went to Bible Scott College and was going to be a minister, I didn't dig the, the whole I'm a minister guy. I wanted to music and, you know, go out and sing songs about God and about issues and things like that. And I went through a divorce. Very early, got married really early, went through a divorce real early. And the minute you go through a divorce back then, if you're in Christian music, you know, you're out. You can't do that. And so all these schools uh, wanted me to come and sing because I had written a song about violence, stop, stopping violence. Hmm. And so I, I created a little, you know, these schools said, well, you come. So I created a little program about the issues that young people deal with. And made it all kind of rock and roll and fun and different. And I went and performed it. And these schools, in literally three days, I sang to 30,000 kids. Wow. That's how many schools heard about this program and wanted me to come and gave me an hour to sing. And I thought, well, there's something here. But yeah. the schools don't have money to pay for it. I just did it for free. So I said, how am I going to get this paid for? So... I decided I would send out some material to some big corporations, Pepsi, International Trucks, Food Lion, all these companies. And the president of one of those companies said, I'm coming to see you play in a school. And he, after the concert, he said, this is unbelievable. It needs to go national. We're a regional company. And I said, well, you know, you can't walk. You got to crawl before you walk. And he said, okay. Our regional company, our country company will sponsor your tour. Wow. And so they put the funding up for me to go do the first year of this tour. And 
it was just un, it was unreal. We were on the front page of all these papers, the schools. I mean, we're playing. We played to just hundreds of thousands of kids in 47 states that they were in. And as a result of it, um, like four weeks into the tour, they signed me to a three-year contract to do it for another three years. And at that point, uh, I was just going into school and playing a rock concert in the school and the kids were getting out of class. So they're going to have a good time. They're out of class going to listen to music. Cool, right? So it really worked for everybody. But the big thing it worked about was at the end of the concert, I would say, you know, you're the most valuable thing we've got. You're the future of our country. Without you, we have no future. So if you get into gangs, if you get into drugs, if you get into to violence, if you get into non-productive behavior, you're not going to be good for yourself or your family or your country. Hmm. So it's so important right now at this time in your life, you take on the mantle and realize your, your value and your importance. You're the future of our country. And we're going to have a terrible future if you don't do something about yourself being as great as you can be every day. Paul, does and, this sound familiar? Paul just wrote a song. And I, I'm not, if I'm wrong, he's going to correct me. He just wrote a song called When Will It End, which is treating each other horribly, gang violence. Everything you just talked about. Paul just recently wrote a song. I'm not sure it's been released yet. And it's in seven languages, Paul? Yeah, I... Uh... Uh, basically, uh, this you know, with what you just said, <laughs> Lauren, yeah, it's uh, I'm releasing the song in uh, seven languages. Uh, Good for you. I have four of them. We release a lot of our music uh, in multi languages, and uh, because we're on all seven continents, um, we're in 156 countries right now. Uh, wow, so this is getting released. I'm releasing this in uh. English, Spanish, French, um, uh, Russian, Ukrainian, uh, and Croatian, uh, and Chinese. And the basic crest of the song, and if you want, I'm, I'd love your opinion of it. Um, the basic crest of the song is, uh, well, the, the, the biggest line in the song to me is, not a single child has been born with hate built in. And, you know, I'm a history buff. And the way Hitler and Stalin and throughout history, they've taken control uh, of countries of the world uh, and done horrific things is through the school systems, is through the children. You know, we teach them hate. They, they didn't come from the factory that way. Right. And so that's the premise of the song. And I decided on those languages because those other than French, I just love French. Any song sang in French melted. Um, <laughs> but the beautiful. other, the other languages, English, Chinese, uh, Russian, Ukrainian, and Croatia are hotspots of, of horrifically violent and include, and I, English, obviously United States is the, per, you know, we perpetuate uh, violence and hate in our country. Um, you know, we really, I love our country. Don't get me wrong, buddy. I, I don't, but man, what we are doing to our children right now is just teaching them to just hate the hell out of each other. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. We, we're living in a, in a crazy time. I, I literally ended up touring that, that school tour for the entire nineties. And 
we made, ended up doing five albums of music about issues with young people and ended up releasing two movies of the tour in the free community service rental section of Blockbuster. Because back in the 90s, the only place you get a movie is at Blockbuster, right? Right. And they had this little, they had this little free section. So we made a movie and they released it in the free section for us so that yeah. schools could come and rent it for free and watch it, you know? But do you know when the tour ended and you know when my life crumbled? When? The day of Columbine. Wow. I was, I was two weeks out from a huge sponsor check for the entire next year. And the day of Columbine, all the sponsors kind of called me up and said, hey, man, we're going to have to shut this thing down. It's just, you know, they don't want to be associated. Big sponsors don't want to be associated with something that's going to get you killed. And you're you know? trying to do, your, your theme was to do the exact opposite. So Absolutely. that tragedy happened. Well, and it's you know, the program that's it's, trying to help. It's funny that you mentioned Columbine. You do you remember? Did you know Wayne Perry? I know who he is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you know Wayne. At the time I met Wayne, he had fifty million units out with his songs on it. You know, In Sync, Backstreet Boys, Lori Martin. You name it. He he wrote it right. And he had a song right after Columbine. He had a song called "Shooting Stars." And we were at uh, our manager's office, uh, Miles Bell's office. And this was shortly thereafter. And Wayne pulled that song out. He had had it for a, a, a long time and decided to produce this. It was called No More Shooting Stars. Basically, why are we making these violent kids the stars and not right. focusing, you know, no more shooting stars was the premise. Right. We we produced that song in 72 hours. He just had a scrap. We produced in 70 in 72 hours. And I can't remember the dude from NSYNC. He flew him in to be on this song. He came with a Mo 8. That's why I've got a Mo 8 sitting here, because I was mesmerized what this dude did with this Mo 8. <laughs> we had a we had the and I believe it was the Nashville Boys Choir on it. Uh uh Darren Norwood sang it. We had all these producers, all these label people in the office, played the song, not a dry eye. And you know what one of the dudes said? We'll take it. We'll release it right after the next school shooting. Oh, no. Really? Wayne, he Wayne. He did Wayne, not say that, did he? Yes, he did. Wayne ejected that CD from the player. And said, you'll get my song over my dead-ass body. More kids got to die before you put it out. Wow. That's an incredible story. And that's gospel. Dude, you know, you know that what's crazy is the power of artistry when it, when it does decide to go to the world and make its decision about whether it, it will or won't. Right. Um. We saw Kid Rock do something in the last week that affected $5 billion. Right. Because of a decision. Right. That of art of artistry. Right. Right. So, you know, all of that being said, it is a power. What we do is powerful. And, and even if it's a small thing, you know, what's crazy is that those years that I spent in the school system, um, what a lot of people don't realize is that if 
I played to several hundred thousand kids a year doing that. If only 1,000 kids did not get into drug rehab or right. go into juvie hall, it costs us about $35,000 a kid to go right. into juvie prison, right? right? So you think if just like 1%, 1%, if 7,000, then, then we've saved, we've saved, we've saved, and, and think if we got 10, think if, if we actually impacted the federal budget of the United States by 35 million bucks because a bunch of kids stayed in school and got good grades. Well, Lauren, I think it's just like, I think it's like what David does, what, you know, one of the things that I've, I've done suicide prevention for 20 some odd years. That's and huge. my philosophy, my philosophy was always, you know, if a school didn't have money to bring me in, because like you just said, it takes money to be on the road. You got to earn right. a living. If they didn't have any money to bring me in, I went anyway. I funded where I found somebody else because my philosophy was I just need the invitation because if it's just one kid, if it's just one kid, think about that. You know, I had a school one time tell me my, my fee was $3,700 all inclusive. If you wanted to pay it, it that, that was if you wanted to. It, then right. hell, I'll pay you $3,700 to be in front of your kids because I know I'm going to get one. And this lady right. said to me, that's an awful lot of money. I said, I tell you what, you decide what one kid's worth and then you pay me just that. And she was just dumbfounded. Yeah. Right. There's no way you can money. answer that. Yeah. Dave, I, I'm I know like, you have affected so many kids too. And what well, sounds like you, you got, David, you put together a show of three people that, in, and I'm not trying to do this, I'm not patting myself on the back, but damn it, you know, when 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 you go out and do what you did, Lauren, and what I've watched David, as a matter of fact, I was there before he was even there, there. I was, that's how we met. That's how long ago we met, was he said, right. I got an idea. And when, he, when I saw him do it the first time, I went, your idea's genius, dude. You're going to help millions of people. You know, and that's what, that's what, you know what we do. We're all artists. We're all all three are artists. You know, we just got Lauren, different. I've forms. been um, I've been all over Paul recently. I think he's sick of me, which is why I haven't called him in the last couple of days. But uh, I, I primarily still speak in the college market. I do a lot of military work still, and some corporate uh, also sprinkled in, which is a lot of fun. But uh, one of my agents wrote me about two weeks ago and said. David, I know, and I love what you do. I love your relationship stuff. I love your leadership stuff. I love your parenting stuff. I love the team building, the public. I love all that. Do you have a program on mental health? Colleges are screaming right now for programs on mental health. So I know that he has been thinking about dipping his toe back in, but so many things are influencing that now. Have you ever thought yourself, have you looked at society? Now, I know you're knee deep in music. I've seen, I should have I had up here so I could hold it up. I've been following you on Facebook and I've been seeing when you're playing on this dock and that dock and this restaurant all over the Jacksonville area, uh, you've turned yourself into another superstar down there. Have you ever thought about dipping your toe back into getting in front of people or has that ship completely passed? You know, it's, it, it is interesting because I became uh, a person that really loved to work in the media world of 
behind, you know, where you could display it to the public through writing and through television and through all these creative things that you do. Sure. Uh, but the live performance thing was something that I didn't, I, I had done it so, on such a big scale that for me to go back into it, I needed a little time away just to relax. And then I had people say, Lauren, will you come over and sing uh, at our little restaurant on the deck uh, out here on the water? Just bring your guitar and do that. And so I said, yeah, that kind of sounds fun. And I didn't even ask them, you know, for a paycheck. I said, you know, I'll just come over. And I brought a little sound system on my guitar and some and uh, played and it was like nobody would leave. They would all just hang out. There's a surprise. and they all just they all just wanted to come up. And then I would take a ten minute break, and they'd all come up and tell me that song, that song you sang. I love this, song. you know. And this they tell me their experiences with that song. And I really do believe that music is a healer. That it is something that can heal us, and therefore when we do songs that have really positive or healthy, good lyrics they're meaningful and i do think if there's anything i would ever get back into public speaking or really talking about it would be mental health i wrote a song years ago uh called somebody told me and i don't know if you've ever heard that song I don't know you've ever. but it said it said do you mind, somebody do you mind told me. It, lauren i'm gonna cut you off do you mind playing it? Can, can you bang well, it out you, we got it we got somebody that's Apparently, written a song similar. I'm not worried. Dude, about I, I just I, I call just, folks to death. I'll call nine one one. But I'd love to hear part. Somebody told me you've been thinking about ending all the pain. Somebody told me there's no easy way to see the sunshine. You must feel a little rain somebody told me you've been crying deciding what to do it happened to me and it can happen to you right right and the chorus says the chorus says don't take your life away don't take your love away Look to love and life. Don't close your eyes. No suicide. If you make me cry on my own podcast, I'm going to come through the screen. No suicide. No suicide. Come into love. Anyway, I did this song. We made a huge music video of it with a pretty well-known actress playing the part. And uh, we put it in our second movie that we released in the blockbuster video wars, along with a song called Victory Over Violence, along with a song called Stand for What is Right, along with a song that everybody knows called Lean on Me with hundreds of kids doing the Lean on Me dance in the video. And that video won 32 awards. We took it to the Chicago U.S. International Film uh, festival with 3,100 entries from 31 countries. And out of 3,100 
countries, from 31 countries, we won Best of Show. And it was not because it was the world's greatest cinematography. It wasn't because it was the world's greatest movie. It was, and it wasn't because it was the world's greatest script. It was a real life movie of us on tour reaching out to these kids and singing these songs. And then we go into the video of the song and we come out of the video and you see the kids and we go into a live concert experience. And it was so moving what it was doing and the impact it was making that we won best of show at that film awards. We won 32 other film awards. We won the New York film festival and, you know, Houston, Charleston, you know, and, and won two Best Actor Awards from the Florida Motion Picture Association. And I wasn't acting. I was just on stage doing, you know, but I won a Best Actor Award for not acting. You know, Lauren, I'm stopping for a second. I was reading your bio and I, you know, I read the whole thing and I got to hear and it said, Lauren has received numerous mayoral degrees, keys to cities, proclamations, and letters of appreciation from community service organizations, including the inner city games chaired by Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I wondered, how did you get there? Now I'm not wondering anymore. That last five minutes of hearing all the way back to that song. And uh, I, I, I've known Paul enough, long enough to know that his brain is uh, spinning with like-minded love and ideas. But now I'm not surprised at all that you have the key to most cities wherever you've performed. Well, it was, it, it was literally for them to give a key was not because I was that great, but the cause was so great. What we were doing was so important and it was impacting kids and the word got around to all the schools. You got to have this. It's free. Mm -hmm. So every school would call us up and it got to be where we'd say, listen, we're coming in your area. We will come, but you need to go ahead and get the civic auditorium and let it get donated by the city and let's bust all the kids out so that we can do a concert for them and have, because we'll either have to do 20 concerts in your area or we do one big day where we bring them all out. And so we started doing that and it turned into, you know, civic centers with 30,000 kids and we had an 18 wheeler with enough sound and lights to handle 35,000 kids, you know? So I've got a question came for you right now. I'm going to stop you right there, Lauren. Has there, ever been, has there ever been a more important time than now for our kids? And what do we do about it? I, I know what Paul's done in his past. I know what I've done in my past. I know what you've done in your past. I, I always said to Paul, when I do this podcast, I'm going to ask tough, honest questions. And that's, yes, you helped a ton of kids back there, Paul. Not sure there's ever been a better mental health speaker, and I think I've helped some relationships in the world. Has it ever been a more difficult time for our for our 17s and unders? And what do we do? No, and let me let me tell you where where kids. Uh, what's really interesting to me is that younger kids, these kids that are junior high kids, they are how Hitler and all these people did what they did. You hit a kid when they're when Back when the D.A.R.E. program, remember when that was going on with fifth and sixth graders? That's when you're making the decisions for your life. And when you empower kids and tell them you love them, you can't believe how many kids nobody's ever told them they love them. Nobody's ever said they're important. Nobody's ever said they're valuable. If kids come up after concerts and just say thank you, that's the first time I've heard I'm loved. Let me tell you, I, had con I could write a book 
And I should. I need to write a book on just the things that were said to me after the show by the kids. Out of the, I remember, out of the mouths of babes, you should call it. Out of the mouths of babes. Yeah, I, I had I had a little 14-year-old girl come up to me with her friend who's 15, you know, and they're two little basketball girls. And I was sitting over on the bleachers while the guys were tearing down the equipment and I was with the 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 counselor for the school. And can we talk with you? I said, sure. Well, she's pregnant and she hurt her knee playing soccer. And she's going to get her knee worked on at the hospital and they're going to have to put her under. And I told her she can't go do that. She doesn't let them know that she's pregnant. And she hasn't told her parents and she's scared to death and she's going to get her knee worked on in soccer tomorrow. What do we do? And literally the chief of police was at the show. And I said, come over here. Counselor right here, right? Principal, y'all all come over here. Hmm. This is what we're going to do. Guys, y'all are all taking her home today. Wow. And you're meeting with her mom and dad. Talk about life changing. Her mom and dad didn't meet with her to get mad at her. Her mom and dad met with the chief of police, the counselor for the school, and the principal for the school, and her best friend. They all love her and don't want her to go get the operation that they're already concerned about without the doctor knowing she's pregnant. Right? And, and how powerful was it that she was able to tell me at that concert when all those people were there and they had just been inspired to do something about each other in the community. I know Paul you know what I'm saying? the same thing and I'm going to let him, I can't tell you, I'm going to say no less than 5,000 people over my career have come up after a show and began the sentence. And Paul, your head's probably going to shake. I've never said this to anyone before, but. Right. Right. Well, you know, you, you can, you know, when you're, on stage you know when you're and you know me dave i don't stay on stage i'm i go in and walk around and you can you can almost predict the ones that are going to come up you can almost predict them and because you see it and you know now i will i will uh say you know it's not the 13 year olds and the 14 year olds and the 15 year olds it's the seven-year-olds and the eight-year-olds and the nine-year-olds and the 10-year-olds. That, I mean, look at what's happening that they're, they're so lost. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I, Lauren, I created a program called Music, Mental Health, and Motivation, okay? Uh, and uh, the show is designed, the show's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, but the, one of the problems I'm having is in order for me to go and speak, and this is why I stopped speaking on college campuses, I, I'm not a Bible-thumping man. You need to know that. I, I'm not. I, I don't really care what anybody not says. At all. That's, not like that's that. between me and my God. Uh, you know, the bootleggers is not about converting anybody to anything. My, my instructions were clear. Get them here. I'll take care of the rest. I don't know what right. that means. I don't know what that means. But I know if I could, can show people a different perspective of just God in the universe or natural law. And if our children were taught that they're spiritual beings and spiritual beings have to be together and there has to be some harmony in your life, 
you know, you have to believe in something. Hell, believe in your lawnmower. I don't care. <laughs> but the problem that we're having getting this program off the ground is I'm not allowed to say God. I'm not allowed to tell my story. If I tell my story and I say, God, they don't want me on their property. So we've got to take this thing to private or to private venues, right? We got to take this to theaters. We got to be in theaters where we can speak freely and things like that. I mean, David can't even, can't even look at somebody and say young man anymore on a college campus. You know, he's got to I, identify. I don't, how, I don't even see how you do it. Dude, I, I, really I don't, don't. Hey, Lauren, I'm going to tell you right now. I, he's the he's the strongest person to be able to do that to me. I could, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not built that way. But don't these you think kids some of these guys starving? These kids are starving for what you were doing again. They're starving for it, dude. I can't they believe the synergy. To, I didn't realize the synergy. When I wanted you both on, I knew there were similarities, and I knew how strong each of you was individually in your faith and your purpose and in your talent. I had no idea that you had written songs on, on suicide prevention and that Paul has written several bestsellers. And I, I didn't realize there was that much synergy, but well, the, the, the sad thing is, man, is, is we have to, we have to get to these kids. They're dying at astronomical portions and maybe they're not taking their lives, but they're dying. They're not even living. They're, they're not doing anything and we're watching them crumble and somehow, some way that's got to be fixed. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that you would say, we talk about the fact that you've got this, this thing with God. Uh, obviously if I grew up with parents that were in revivals every day, I mean, I listened as a kid, I listened, I, I watched Norman Vincent Peale speak. I watched Billy Graham. My mother was singing on the stage with, with George Beverly Shea, Billy Graham's music guy, you know? So, I mean, I got to watch some of these amazing speakers speak to a silver tongue oratory, you know, about God and about man and about, so I was motivated my whole life to having this deeper synergy of relationship, but we've got a group of people now that I think are growing up with no realization of what the Bible says God is. The Bible says God is love. Period. So if if you want to make if you want to if you want to be like God, be like love. Right. If you want to make a godly choice, make a loving choice. If you right. want to make a godly decision, make a loving decision. And if we would all start realizing that if you want to know who God is, He's love. Right. It's that simple. And we just need to love each other enough. Right. If you really love somebody, you're not going to tell them that if they're from another political party. Right. Their their whole life is, is messed up. Right. You're not going to look at another person and say, your life's really not worth anything. Right. You're not important. Right. And, you know, I, I, I will say something today that I got just in my head thinking about David and you and doing this podcast, we're raising a victim-less society. Let me say how I'm saying that. Right now, if you're a victim, nobody cares. And you know when they're going to start caring? When they become the victim. 
Amen, you let the, you let the streets run crazy, Amen, and you brother. don't care about the victims of the street, and you just say, "Well, they're not important." We're just and these guys that did it, we're just going to let them go. Right. You start doing this about everything in life, and everybody's victimless. Then what's going to happen is when you become a victim, nobody's going to be there to stand up for you. Buddy, I've been you. I've been saying it for wow, especially over the past three years. Exactly, not in your same terms is. You know, when you watch people going through their hell and you don't stand up for that person because you're afraid to lose your job or you're afraid to lose your uh, be be looked upon differently. And see, that's what we've done. Then all of a sudden you lose your job. Right. And now who's left? Like you're saying, who's left to give a crap? Who's who's left to give a crap? Right. You know, because all of a sudden you find yourself and I found myself, Lauren, and, you know, I, I, I found myself feeling guilty where things would start happening bad to people that just turned on me and I'd go, who gives a shit? Right. You want me, you want me to stand up now? You know, now right. you want me to stand up now you get it, mm -hmm. you right. know? And so exactly what you're saying is, uh, you know, look, we don't have to agree on everything. If it what I'm what I'm trying to say is if we just come together on a natural level, just a natural level, right? And respect that, that's a start. <laughs> Hell, that's a start. You know, uh, well, when you were talking before, Lauren, when you were talking earlier, I grabbed a piece of paper and I, I wrote down something you said. You wrote the first part, I wrote the second part, but it was okay. I Fearless selflessness. You have to be fearless in your selflessness to other people. And you're, Paul, you're right. If we all end up losing our jobs, who's left to help? If we're all taken out of position, who's left to help? And we try to keep these to around an hour, and I knew this was going to fly. So obviously, people can reach you. We're not quite done. People can reach you through writing, going to the app on Bootleggers Music Group Radio. There's a contact us portion of our app. But how can people also reach you, Lauren, if they want to? Wow. Uh, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, like Ralph Lauren, like the Cologne, international.org. Okay. And it is, uh, it is the, the 501c3 nonprofit that I started in 1989 because none of the schools could pay for a concert. So I started a nonprofit organization so that I could raise money to go play the concerts for free. Right. I understand. And that's what, that's what, you know, different people, um, you know, different corporations donated to, to help us through the nineties. And then when Columbine happened and I had a, a new life experience of sure. changing life around again, I found where I was supposed to go again, by just how do I make a difference in helping and making a difference in helping people get what they want done and you know Lauren, before, me, close this up, before i close this up and give you both a chance to say some last thoughts in your head uh selfishly can we hear a little bit doesn't have to be a lot of one of the songs you played on tour you mentioned a couple of those songs when we were talking about the songs that you wrote about so you, you you played some of the don't take your life and that is there one more that you loved when you were on tour that you wouldn't mind giving us part of and maybe a refrain. And then if you'll both give me some 
closing thoughts. I know we got we got to be coming up close. Wow, you really know how to. My guests love and hate me. They love being invited, then they hate me for pulling stuff out of nowhere. But that, <laughs> I think it makes for great, better Zoom and uh, better YouTube and better radio, better podcast. Well, um, you want a song I wrote or a song that everybody loves? Something loved? you were doing back when you were touring. That one here's year, what I was doing. I, I had to take my glasses really... off and take a tear off my face. So here's here's remember that song, so time in your life. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I got that on my piano right behind me, brother. I'm 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 rehearsing that for our upcoming shows. <laughs> we lost you. Lauren, we lost you. Oh, he went uh he's he's muted. You're muted. You're muted. Let me unmute. Okay, you can you hear You're back. Start over, please. <laughs> so anyway, I decided I love that song. I bring the kids on the stage and I would teach them a dance. And I'd say, lean on me. You got to lean on each other. When you're not strong, you got to go like this. I'll be your friend. You got to shake hands with your, your, your friend, your classmate. I'll help you carry on. That's carry on. Four. It won't be long. Look at you watch. Uh -huh. so I'm going to need you point at your need. You need somebody to lean on. And I wrote a, my own version track of that song. Right. And it goes like this. Can you hear that? Yeah, absolutely. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Oh, it won't be long time gonna need somebody to lean on lean on me when you're not strong i'll be your friend i'll help you carry on it won't be long time gonna need somebody to lean now we get that Everybody sway and dance. You just come on, my brother. You need a hand. We all need somebody to lay on. They just might have a problem. They'll understand. We all need somebody to lay on. Lean on me. We know not strong. I'll be your friend. You know what I'm saying? So that you was the got song kids all over the stage dancing, doing your dance, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those Lauren. kids had so much fun doing that song. Paul, am I crazy to think that somebody else should be on the mental health motivation music tour? <laughs> oh, man, I, man. Would, I would love to go anywhere and speak about the things we've been speaking about today. And I so appreciate meeting your guest and getting to be brought up to speed on his life and his career, because you know what? There are so many things in this life that are similar and you know, they're happening in other places, but it's going to be, it's going to be right now, some real effort from guys like us to get out there and do some things that need to be done to make it. Well, you know, and likewise, Lauren, I mean, meeting you has been awesome. And of course I, I love David. And, uh, 
you know, one thing's for sure, man, um, you, you gotta do it and you gotta, you gotta fight the fight. I mean, people have to, you know, I, I talk to people all the time and they, they, they say they want to do something. And that's what happened to the music motivation, and mental health. I had people basically, I'll use the word beg because that's what it was. Go back out on the road. You need to go back out on the road. And I'm again, I'm not patting my back. I, I I'm pretty good at what I do because I share everything. There's not anything off limits. And these kids get to see, holy shit, I'm going through that too. Or I've thought that too. And, uh, when it came down to the metal meeting the road and writing the checks, they evaporated, man. Right. I mean, they, they evaporated because everybody right. wants to bitch about something on social media or they want to bitch about something at the bar, but they don't want to open up their checkbook and do anything about it. And then they look and think guys like us, do they not understand we have to eat too? <laughs> you know, I'm not out there trying to get rich. We have to eat. Yeah. You got to pay for the bus. You got to pay for the yeah. gas. You got to pay for your guys, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, man, I, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I just know I'm just going to keep taking care of my little corner as best I can. Lauren. Well, I will last bit here. Go ahead. Keep going. Any, how would you like to, uh, what message? No, I just, I, I just say, just, um, Mm -hmm. I just think our country is in desperate need of those to stand up. And I, I, I watch a good bit of YouTube and watch these guys that are going to college campuses and they're combating some of these problems and they're making fools out of a lot of these people mm -hmm. that are, are saying that you got to be like this, you got to be like that. And I will say that our college campuses are a lot of the future leaders of our world mm -hmm. and that's why i totally respect what you're doing david on the college campus thanks it's getting it's so harder important. and harder to make the difference i know i'm capable of i'm doing my absolute yeah. and i will tell you that as much as it was a lot of younger kids that were making the difference i think right now the urgency of what's going on is definitely towards 20 and 30 year old people that are all living at home a lot of them you know, yeah. or or they're at school and they're learning something that is virtually not caring about anything but what's on their phone. And we got to do we got to bring back the, the personal acumen of life to people and right and wrong and really realizing that there is reward if for no other reason than in your own soul when you sleep at night uh, about doing the right thing and being a good person. Let's leave on a really high note, Lauren, just for about 60 seconds. Tell us about Christian and the wonderful experience he recently had with a, I'm not sure it hit number one. You'll have to tell me that, but I know he was involved in a song recently that I love that was going crazy all over this world. About 60 seconds, if you don't mind. Well, really quick. Um, my son, I brought him out on the road with me the last few years of the nineties and uh, he was a teenager. He was a teenager. And I got him a record deal as a little pop singer. And his first tour was to open for Christine Aguilera and Destiny's Child. He came, off that, he came off that tour and he said, Dad, I had so much fun, but I like being in the studio and writing and producing more. 
I don't want to go out there on the road and spend my life out there. I want to be writing and producing. So I said, well, then let's do that. And so I began to rep him in Hollywood for years. And then about five years ago, he moved to Nashville and started writing there uh, because he had daughters that were growing up now. And he wanted to be out of the city and in the country. Understood. You know? And recently uh, he had a lot of people sing a lot of records, but he never had a number one hit. And then the other day he wrote this song with Kane Brown that became a number one hit. And he called me on the phone and he said, isn't it crazy that my first number one hit is a, call, a song called Thank God. Not only did it win number, uh, go number one. I thought it did. But, but it, the CMT Awards, it won Music Video of the Year. Oh, I which is the last, the last award they give. That's bad. And the new award show that's coming up later this month, it's a new country music award show. It's got three nominations. So we're really excited for him. And, and of course, because that's happened, his life now is writing with other writers that are, you know, top of the, the top of the food chain, so to speak. Understood. And he wrote, he's, He's written, he writes these songs and then he'll send them to me and go, but what do you think? And nobody's ever heard them. I heard, thank God, you know, months before it was ever recorded. And I said, man, this is a great, great, great song. This is a hit song. And in the last few days, man, I've gotten two or three songs. And I said, dude, this is a hit song. This is amazing. And then he'll call me back the next day. You were right. They just picked it up for this person or that person. So He's having that opportunity to really be seen. And um, it's so fun to see a, the fourth generation musician in our family will actually be the most successful of all of us. Well, apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I'll just be, I'll just be fine to be known. That's, that's my son. <laughs> well, I'm just I think a proud we better, dad. Paul, any last words? No, man, I, I just uh, just sitting here, uh, you know, my me and my me and my head, man. I'm just uh, sitting here spinning, and just always good to see somebody out there uh, doing what they uh, believe in, and you know, sticking to the guns. That's uh, that's the key. Lauren, number one, you know, thank stick you to your being, guns. Thank you for being on. We can't thank you enough. I have a feeling you'll be back on. Paul also does a morning show. Maybe we can do that. Number two, uh, please congratulate Christian on our behalf and gosh might be fun to have him on sometime or maybe even both of you that might be a hoot uh, but thank you both for your time i know we're coming to the end this has been david coleman this is bridging the gap this is the type of program we try to bring you and now i have to corral these two to go on tour together and change lives thanks for being with us <laughs> <laughs> all right man good to meet you thanks Lauren. guys thanks david great to meet you my friend